Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Podcast. This podcast is a recording of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. But before you listen further, you may want to go to teachings.jim314.com and download the student and or teacher handouts so you can follow along visually and take some notes. Thanks for listening, come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app or to iTunes. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Let's jump right in today. We are week 21 of Romans. Um, you're going to have to lean in and listen really good today. I don't have amplification, so I'll, I'll try to project a little better than I normally do. Is that good? Can you hear me in the back with this level? All right, I'll try to stay there. So if you got your Bibles open up to Romans chapter 8, we start Romans 8 today. So I am thrilled with that. So as we do each week, just want to walk us through and make sure that we are taking a reasonable approach for our Bible study time, uh, that we are spending much more time asking the Holy Spirit for help and staring at the text and talking to the church before moving into tools. Uh, I will tell you once again, this has been extremely freeing for me, having to not spend 10, 12, 15 hours a week staring at commentaries, but just waiting and listening and asking and uh, I am I am really enjoying teaching through Romans in a way that I have not enjoyed teaching through other books of the Bible because of this. So I, I hope this helps and if it does that's great and if it doesn't then I'm probably explaining it wrong. So it's probably that. Alright, so let's look at uh, today's class. We're going to read the text. We've got a big chunk of text again today. We're going to explain the text, apply the text, and personalize the text and then we'll do our table prayer time. So let's look at... Uh, where we are so far. So we've taken three of the major chunks of Romans so far, introduced righteousness, spent a lot of weeks talking about God's righteous wrath toward sin and sinners. We looked at saving righteousness. What does that mean? And then we've been in this period, this 11 weeks uh, section on righteous freedom. Uh, I think today's week seven. Yep, today's week seven of those 11. Uh, and then we'll finish out the rest of the year looking through the remaining portions of the text. So we've We've just come out of this section on saving righteousness, and we'll pick up with Romans chapter 5, verse 1, and we'll read through uh, 8, 11 today. Now, some of you uh, enjoy this portion of Sunday school. Some of you do not. If you find that you do not enjoy hearing the Bible read while you are trying to read along, stop reading along. So for some of us, it is too much to try to balance the version you're reading out of and the different version I'm reading from. So I give you permission to close your eyes and listen if you would like to do that. So. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. 
For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for indeed sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried with him, therefore, and by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. And we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. So what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. 
I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? From the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit you lead leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another, man, she is not an adulteress. So likewise, my brother, you have also died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So what shall we say then? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. And the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through that which is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might be become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. <clears throat> there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law and sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. 
By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, and anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That is good news. Is that not just incredible? We are not under condemnation. I have been waiting for months. I'm up on my toes. I'm going to bounce today. Today's a bouncing lesson, all right? I have been waiting for months to talk about. We are not under condemnation. This is beautiful. All right, I'm going to get a drink of water because that was a lot. I may just pour it on my head here in a minute. All right. Grab your handouts. Here we go. Let's look at the words. So Bible study is about asking questions, so let's ask some questions. So any literary or structural observations? As you heard me read this longer extended period, did you hear the therefore? Did you hear the questions? Did you hear the, the logical arguments that Paul is stringing together to make these larger points that are beautiful? They're absolutely beautiful. So does Paul come to any conclusions in this text? Let me start with asking that question. Any conclusions in this text? What He's been talking about the law and the law and the law and the law and the law. And he gets to chapter 8 and he says the law is what? It's not condemning us. That can't throw rocks at us. Why? Because we're alive in Christ. This is wonderful. Yes, this is awesome. Give me a high five on that one. <laughs> it's good news. This is fantastic. Sorry, if you're not excited today, you might not enjoy today's lesson. So <laughs> I'm just going to give you a heads up. All right. So let's look at uh, let's look at the word. So there is therefore now, right now, present at this time. No, the, the Greek word means not even one, none, nobody, nothing. There is no room for misinterpretation here. The number is zero. It is not a half a one, it is not a quarter, it is not an eighth, it is zero. There is no condemnation. Now, the word condemnation means adverse sentence. I don't know how many of you have ever gone to a court and the judge is going to declare some type of a ruling. And if you are guilty, there's going to be some type of a sentence. And this is saying there is nothing adverse about the sentence that the law can condemn us for. Nothing. So even if we are found guilty... There's no negative. It's like, Lynn, have you ever sped on the interstate? Uh, this, I don't think there's any, if there are, you're, this is all under the blood, okay? All right, you've sped on the, on the interstate, right? It's, it's, well, I didn't say your last name, so it's okay. It's all right. Yes, we, we have all sped on the interstate, right? Uh, except for you. You really do not need to have sped on the interstate. If you have sped on the interstate, we, are, we have larger problems to talk about this morning. 
Uh, so, so let's say the police officer pulls you over, he writes you a ticket, he gives you the ticket, you are what? You are guilty. Absolutely. You know you're guilty because you were doing 104 in a 65. So it's like, like we're like orange jumpsuit guilty, right? You go before the judge and the judge says you are guilty. However, there's nothing negative I'm going to do because somebody paid your penalty. You are free to go. Go enjoy your freedom. Now you, you want to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who, who is this person? Right? This is what we're talking about at the end of chapter 7. Who? I'm a wretched man. I'm guilty. What do I do before this judge? Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then Jesus comes in and he delivers. And so then Paul circles back around to that concept of guilt and condemnation. He says, all right, so just in case you weren't paying attention to the first seven chapters, there's no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus. This is beautiful. There is no adverse sentence. Some of you can't spell A-D-V-E-R-S-E, adverse. Not adverb, not talking about nouns and pronouns. It's adverse sentence. Nothing negative about this sentence. But don't miss the second half of that sentence. For those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are not in Christ Jesus, there is an adverse sentence. And it never stops. And I beg you to be aware that there are two options for humanity. There is heaven, there is hell. Heaven is in Christ Jesus. Hell is not in Christ Jesus. And we all choose. Everybody picks a side. There is no ambivalence. There is no, eh, I don't really care. Nope. Everybody picks. And it's just like that computer that you got in your house somewhere. When you turned it on, there's a default setting. There's a default setting to that ugly, awful Windows background that Microsoft just seems to force down our throats, right? Those pictures, you know, I don't want that picture. I want a picture of my dog. That's great. Or some of you, a cat. I don't know why, but it, like, <laughs> sorry. I, I was trying. No cat jokes. No cat jokes. All right. I'll, I'll scrub that and uh, someone's name off the podcast, all right? All right. So, so this only happens in Christ Jesus. Outside of Christ, there's all kinds of adverse sentences. All right. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit, the pneuma, and you're going to see this word a few times in this chapter, but a few times in this text as well. Uh, some of you remember those uh, videos that Rob Bell used to do, the pneuma videos? Yeah. This is how you pronounce that Greek word. It, N-O-O-M-A is the easy way to pronounce it, but it's spelled P-N-E-U-M-A, which, you know, when you got those P-N words, I mean, who, it's, a, it's a shot in the dark. Who knows how to pronounce that, right? So the law of the, the nomos of the pneuma of life has set you free. This, again, is one of my favorite Greek words in all of this series. It means liberated, exempted, or delivered. So here's our first picture today. Delivered is your blank. Now, when I have somebody deliver something to me, so Chris, can you deliver me that chair you just picked up? That would be wonderful. So let's talk about what he's doing. He is bringing me something I don't have, right? And thank you very much. I, I'm not going to hold it. I want you to put it down. <laughs> I'm, I'm lazy, Chris. This is the way this works, okay? I'm trying to build you now, up, brother. One of, one of my favorite businesses in Chattanooga right now, and I have no idea if they're run by a bunch of pagans, and if they're run by a bunch of pagans, I'm sorry, but they do a great job. It's called Dinner Delivered. And about once a month, we, the Fleming household, gets on Dinner Delivered's website, and we go and order something from Rain Thai Bistro. Because mama's tired and we, none of us can cook. So we're just going to go have somebody bring me something that I don't have so I can enjoy it. So let's look at this verse. For the law of the spirit 
of life. So we're not talking about Moses. We're talking about the Holy Spirit has set you free, has brought me something that I don't have so I can enjoy it. Because my back's hurting today. I just wanted to sit down for a minute. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. Now, the problem is, if I continue to teach sitting down, y'all get out here about 2.30. So, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Every once in a while, I get thinking I'm something else, and then I get a stand-up brother. That's fantastic. All right. So the, the law of the spirit of life has set you free. So we are delivered where? In Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, and we're delivered. You're going to see a theme as we go through Romans, right? It's about Jesus. From the law, from the Moses law of sin and death. Verse 3, for God has done what the law weakened. And this is an imperfect tense. It's continually being weakened. Uh, this word was the same word that was used back in Romans 4.19 when we talked about Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham was weakened by age and not able to do something. We're going to leave it there, okay? You with me? So this is feeble. This is unable to, to perform what you are supposed to perform. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. So the law does not justify. But when you combine the law and put that in flesh, we're not improving here. We are deteriorating here. And some of us recognize that as we may get older, things deteriorate. And it doesn't work like, it, like my back is hurting right now. You know why? Because I'm old. That's why. We're getting there. All right, so, verse 3. For God, some of you are like, you're not old. There's twice as much gray in this beard there was last year. Like, literally. I saw one of those time hop pictures on Facebook. Don't, don't share any of those with me anymore, okay? Don't say, oh, isn't this a good picture? No, it's not, because I don't look like that in the mirror anymore. And it's just, it's depressing. So, just don't do that, all right? I love you, brother. All right, verse 3. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. It could not. It was impossible to do by sending or dispatching. That's your blank. Dispatching or transmitting his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. The, the idea is to... He, you see the word wielding? I could just see the father wielding the son to go accomplish his will. Well, that's, that's a pretty neat visual graphic. He thrusts him into the middle of a broken, bloody, bleeding mess. And what does Jesus do? He saves. He fixes it. Because that's what he does. Yes. I don't know how y'all aren't doing like jumping jacks right now. I am thrilled about this. this is, I'm up on my toes again. All right. I told y'all about that time that I was in a choir and I got asked to leave, right? Well, there's actually been three of those, so I'll tell you about the first one. No, it was the second one. It was the second one. Um, the, the guy, we were in a hundred voice choir, and it was all volunteers. This was at Temple, right? You know, these guys had to be at Temple. They said, we just need, we need bodies. We don't care if you can sing. It'll all be drowned out. Everything's fine. So I'm standing on the back row of this hundred voice choir, kind of off in the corner, and we go through this song, and we're just belting it. And he's encouraged us to belt it. So we belt it out. He said, whoa, hang on, hang on. There's somebody right over here that, that like, just mouth the words. It's okay. And, and I kid you not, everybody around me. I'm, I'm a mathematician. I don't know what I'm doing. You just asked for bodies, so I'm here. He's like, all right, can, can you sing higher? 
Apparently, I was really getting too low. You know, I said, yeah, I can sing higher, no problem. <laughs> and and he, that's exactly what he did, except with a frown and a scowl and a kind of a yell. And he asked me not to come back. So um, <clears throat> not bitter. I'm not bitter. It's all under the blood, right? How did we get there? Anybody know? I got no idea. Sorry. This is... Yes, belting it out. There we go. This is what happens when Julie is not here to rein me in. So, Michelle, this is why I keep looking. You're sitting in Julie's car. You, you've noticed the pressure, right? You're like, why is he staring at me? Because I, I keep looking for somebody to go, no, no. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. All right. I hope y'all get that we love the scriptures, we love the Lord, we love to have a good time studying these things, and it's fun to do so. So um, this is where we are with this. All right, so by sending, by wielding, I, I picture this sword that he's wielding, by wielding his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, he condemned what? You're thinking, oh no, oh no, we're, we're going to get condemned right here. What did he condemn? Sin in the flesh. Yes, not me. Sin in the flesh. This is good, right? So he wielded Jesus against sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law. So all the stuff that Moses laid out and said, this is the standard, this is the standard, this is the standard. That when I hold that mirror up to my face and I look and I go, I'm not even close. I don't meet that. So the father wields the son to meet the righteous requirement of the law that it might be fulfilled. Now, all right, Michelle, this slide is for you. So Michelle taught me how to bake bread a couple months ago now, I guess. A few months ago, yeah. Uh, this is not how I uh, measure flour. Uh, how do y'all measure flour? You scoop flour out and you just kind of shake it a little bit, right? How many of you are the shakers? Raise your hand if you're the shakers. How many of you are this? I knew that, absolutely. You probably have it color-coded as well, right? All right, who else is the level off with a knife or some sharp... All right, yes, good. You know what? My bread still tastes good. <laughs> it's good bread. And I took a loaf out of the oven this morning, and I can't wait to get home because I'm experimented today. So, all right. This word, this word, there's your blank, is leveled off. Leveled off. You're like, leveled off? What do you mean? The law might be fulfilled. It is perfectly and completely leveled off. Boom. Exactly what Moses was looking for is answered in Jesus Christ. He is the perfect leveling off of the law. Somebody ought to tweet that. It is furnished, it is satisfied, it is executed, it is finished, it is verified, it is accomplished, it is completed, it is ended, it is expired, it is filled up, fulfilled, perfected, supplied. What else are we looking for? Right? Jesus came and flawlessly leveled off the expectation. So the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled or leveled off in us who walk, tread all around, not according to the flesh, but according to the pneuma. For those who live, those who are, according to the flesh, set their minds or are mentally disposed or are entertaining or have this opinion on the things of the flesh. So if my mind is focused continually on the things of the flesh, But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. 
pagans think about pagan stuff and Christians think about Christian stuff. Let me just give you the redneck version of this. Okay, I mean, like, this is how this works. So verse 6, for, the, for to set the mind on, for to set the mind on the flesh is what? Death. Does it sound like there's ambiguity here? Everybody always gives Peter a hard time in the New Testament about he just says something and it's, it's outrageous statements, but Paul has made some spectacularly outrageous statements here. If you set your mind on the flesh, it is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace, which is fantastic. For the mind that is set on the flesh is what? Hostile. Not, I don't like or I prefer not. It's hostile. God has family and God has enemies. That's it. There's not another third category of, well, I'm okay with Jesus, but I'm not really sure. Nope. We're in the enemy camp there. Everybody with me? Y'all are looking at me kind of funny. Have I said something wrong at this point? You with me? Okay, great. Do I need to bounce on my toes again? I'll bounce on my toes again. My ankles are going to hurt if I do this. All right, so um, verse 7. For the mind that is set on flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit. So your word here is insubordination. That's a long word, so I put it on the screen. Oh, it's tiny font. Never mind. Uh, in sub ord i nation. I break them up like that. This is how... Like, hooked on phonics worked for me when I was a kid, so this is how I spell. Uh, which is why I can't spell pneumonia. <laughs> I-N-S-U-B-O-R-D-I, nation. Insubordination. It's a military term. Some of you know this word. It's hupatasso. Anybody remember where else this word shows up? Submit, right? Your, your brain immensely went to submit. Submit what? This word is, is used several times in the New Testament for submission. All right, so what do we what do we say here? For it does not submit. The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit. It is insubordinate to God. So God's law says, everybody turn right, and this guy stands still. He says, I'm not going to submit. I'm not going to submit. Nope, I'm not going to do that. I see the law. I understand the law. Nope, I'm not going to do that. This is how unbelievers are described in the scriptures, insubordinate. Insubordinate to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. The, I wish, I wish uh, your son was here this morning. Because this is a variation of dunamis. Oh, yes. It is, yes. Uh, y'all remember when Andrew said dunamis in church a couple weeks ago? Yes. Some of you did, because if you weren't paying attention, you were paying attention at that point. Because yeah. he knows that word. And it's, it's the power. It's the, the, uh, the in. It's just power. It's just a whole bunch of power all wrapped up and ready to go and explode out. And this is the law. It cannot. It does not submit because it cannot. It has no dunamis. Like, oh, that's a problem. Yes, that's a real problem. So verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot, cannot, cannot please God. They could not be agreeable to God. It does not functionally work that way. This is how the universe is designed. All right, verse 9. You, however, 
Transitioning. He's talking back to the believers. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. You are in the pneuma. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells or resides or has this uh, habitation in you, and anyone who does not have the pneuma of Christ does not belong to Him. So you either have the Spirit and belong to Christ, or you do not have the Spirit and do not belong to Christ. They are a package deal. I love this. And we're going to talk about, there's a little bit more to the deal, too. So, excuse me, verse 10. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because or through sin, the pneuma is life because through righteousness. Verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells, again, this occupies a house, dwells in us, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life, will also revitalize tried to find a good image for revitalize all I got was makeup pictures I'm like nope that's not like that's not what I'm talking about this was as good as I whoops whoop come on now there we go this was as good as and which I don't like because revitalize this little critter should be about dead right he should be leaned over and wilty and looking sad like they are at our house when we bring plants in because we don't have a green thumb and then you got this really happy plant over here with fruit hanging off and everything's going great and it's wonderful that's revitalization. this is just growth is all this is so i don't know what fool tag this is revitalized on google images but that's just not what that is <laughs> I'm a live wire today, aren't we? I'm excited about Jesus. All right. Christ Jesus from the dead will also revitalize your mortal bodies. So this is, this is nice because sometimes we fix Christianity only on the future hope of heaven. And this is specifically not talking about that. This is specifically talking about revitalizing the mortal body. Now, did he say you're going to have life and health and happiness and everything's going to be rosy? No, he did not. So let's not go full-fledged like crazy on this, but revitalize is what we are talking about through His Spirit who dwells in you. All right, so are there any repeated words? I am looking for one in particular. In English, it starts with an S. In Greek, it starts with a P. Pneuma. Pneuma, yes. Now, some of your translations have the word spiritual a couple of times in there as well. It's the same thing. When you see the word spiritual in your translation, it's the word spirit. Because there's really not a Greek word for spiritual. We just need to make the tense right in English so it doesn't sound clunky to our ears. So it's the same exact words. All right, so if you had to guess what the theme of chapter 8 is, Miss Amy Velosen, what is the theme of chapter 8? The Holy Spirit, yes. I love the title of this particular section. It is Life in the Spirit. And it, I, I like it for two reasons. One... It is actually talking about what life looks like in the Spirit, and it declares that life is in the Spirit. It is a beautiful double meaning here, and I think this is one of the the best section headings that the ESV had in the whole book. All right, so the theme of chapter 8 is the Holy Spirit, and then Robertson's New Testament Word Pictures got a great quote here, and I apologize for the mistake on the handout. I'll get it fixed online. Uh, the, The quote here is, This is Paul's gospel. The fire has burned on and around the cross of Christ, There and there alone is safety. Everywhere else is condemnation, but at the cross of Christ, there is safety. All right, so let's do a couple application points real quick. So the law, here's application number one. You guys are going to answer these for me, okay? You ready? The law does not condemn those in 
Christ. Good. All right. So what do you think we've got to do with that? Be in Christ. Yeah, these are really complicated personalizations today. Right? All right. Number two on application. You ready? Life, peace, and pleasing God come from setting the mind on the spirit. Yes, very good. So what do you think we ought to do with number two? Set our minds on the spirit. Yes. All right, now this one's a little trickier. This is a little trickier. Think about the wielding. Okay? So the who gives life to the mortal bodies of Christians through the spirit? The father. The father gives life to the mortal bodies of Christians through the Spirit. So what are we going to do with that? We're going to trust the Father's work. I am not going to doubt what God has declared to be true. God has declared that I am not condemned. So I will not live as a slave to the law. I will not live as a slave to sin. We will live in freedom. And this is good. So, who is involved in it? If, the, if Christ, the Spirit, and the Father, here's your theology question for the day, are all involved in this work, is there a word in our language that we have used to describe those three persons collectively acting? The Trinity, yes, is involved in this work. You've got the whole Trinity working together in this exercise of redemption. <coughs> so I don't know what else I'm supposed to do other than number four. Rejoice! This is good! This is good! The Trinity is working for their glory and for our good. I love it. All right, so next week is what? Father's Day. Day. Yes, so that means who's speaking next week? (coughs) Sean McGarvey's speaking next week, so be praying for Sean next week. And I kid you not, this happens almost every year at this point. It's ridiculous. You know what the title of next week's lesson is, right? Heirs with Christ. Like there's a relational aspect there of family, and I'm going, I didn't didn't plan that. Heirs with Christ? Yeah, yeah, heirs, yeah. That's awesome, too. You should get shirts that say that. Yeah. That would be fantastic. <laughs> All right, so don't forget your homework. Your homework is to ask the Holy Spirit for help, to read Romans, to talk about Romans, and then to send me feedback. You need my email address. It's at the bottom of that weekly update page. Uh, so if you guys will take a couple of minutes, uh, make any changes or updates to the ongoing prayer requests, I am going to call one out right now if that is okay. Because we have been praying and praying and praying, and God has been faithful. And what happened, Matt? I got a job. This is awesome. So you will notice it is still on the prayer request because they ain't written him a check yet. Okay? He's he's going to be starting. Right. That's exactly. The first maybe two checks clear. We'll we'll take that off at that point, right? And then we'll just pray that it's a good one. So. Um, all right, so that's the, that's the weekly update. Make sure your names are at the bottom of that page, the weekly update. Uh, for attendance, pray as a group, and then you are dismissed. Thank you for coming to Sunday School today.